uh, before the kids head off to Children's Bible Hour. Thank you to everyone who helped make the chili cook-off a smashing success. It was a ripping good time. And uh, I ate my sleeve of crackers and also a whole bunch of great chili. So uh, thanks again for that. Thanks for everybody who showed up. All right, let's sing our kids out with... As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. Glad you're here. The Lord is glad you're here. And uh, we will forward with our study in the gospel of mark we'll be in mark chapter 6 if you want to grab your bible and turn to mark chapter 6 we are doing our best to see the steps that our lord took during his life and ministry and seeing how we might walk step in step with jesus so I want to read from Mark chapter 6 as we begin in verse 1. Hear now the word of the true and living God. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hand? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joses, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. And he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed many with oil, uh, with oil, many who were sick, and healed them. Let's go to verse 30, Mark 6, beginning in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. 
And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in, a, in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of him. When he went ashore, he, had great, uh, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And he said, uh, they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. And he commanded them, to, commanded all, them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And he took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. And he saw they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And they got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astonished, for they did not understand about the loaves. But their hearts were hardened. Let us pray. Lord God, we believe. Help our unbelief. Help us to see clearly the steps that our Lord has left behind from His life and His ministry here recorded in Mark. And then enable us to walk step in step with Him. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith has definite characteristics that point us toward eternity. That is for the things hoped for. And not a hope like, like doubt, like, gee, I sure hope I get there. But hope that is confident expectation. That's the biblical definition of hope. Faith is also the evidence of things which cannot be seen. Paul says that what is seen is only temporary and that what is unseen is eternal. And so there is a sense in which our faith is proof of the eternal. And so Paul and the writer of Hebrews places, a, uh, places before us a, a tremendous hurdle, if you will. A hurdle of faith. And what do we mean by a hurdle 
of faith. What are we talking about there? Well, it is simply this. It is that the seen realm is always superseded by the unseen. That is our human experience in this seen physical realm is always superseded by the unseen realm of divine truth. But there is more than meets the eye. And unless we're able to go beyond this hurdle, we'll continue to stumble over the multifaceted challenge of faith versus sight. At a glance, there are a number of steps that Jesus takes in Mark chapter 6. We see Him teach the gospel to those who are in His own hometown. That's a step we can definitely take with Jesus. We see Him have concern for the lost wherever He found them, even in His own hometown. We see Him have compassion on the sheep that have no shepherd. His heart went out to those who had no shepherd. We see Him care for those who are faithfully following after Him, feeding the 5,000 men. We see Him comfort others in a moment of trial. Do not be afraid, it is I. We see Him patient with the needs of others. They didn't understand the loaves because of their hardness of heart. If we were to summarize into one step, what we see Jesus taking here. I would say it is a, a step of faith or, or a step of faithfulness. And it is Jesus' faith in the Father's omni-characteristics and omni-attributes. We know the omni-attributes. Things like omnipotence and omnipresence. And there are, a, there are several here that we want to hone in on this morning. And don't worry, we hopefully won't get lost in the, the terminology. We'll break it down as we go along. And we'll see how the omni-attributes enable Jesus and enable us as disciples to clear the hurdle that is faith versus sight. It begins here in Mark chapter 6 with Jesus laying a foundation of faith shows up in his own hometown, and he's met with unbelief. You see, without this primary foundation, faith becomes meaningless, and, and any attempt to walk like Jesus becomes futile. What is this foundation of faith? It is simply this. Jesus is the Son of God. Although he had taken on human form, I'm mindful of what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, that uh, being in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on himself the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of human flesh. Although Jesus certainly had the form of a man, he was the son of man, he was more than just the son of Joseph. You see their critique here of Jesus. Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary? And also, son of Joseph. He's more than just the son of Joseph. He's the son of God. And that's how Mark began this gospel. Uh, the gospel of, uh, about Jesus, the son of God. And so, uh, again, you need this foundation. And, and according to this foundation, what does it mean? You, 
you look beyond what is seen, the humanity, not overlooking it, mind you. You need that if Jesus will truly die on the cross. But looking beyond just the veil of his humanity to see the unseen, which is his deity, his, his divinity, that he is not only Son of Man, but also Son of God in one person. That's the foundation of faith that is laid in the first six verses. Now, with that, now Jesus will will witness the steps that he takes when it comes to the omni-attributes of God. And in verses 7 through 13, we see Jesus demonstrate the omnipotence of the divine. Omnipotence. Omni, by the way, we'll get this out of the way. Omni, that's a prefix that has to do with all. Omni means all. And then... Potence. Uh, we, we have words like potent, something that is strong or, or powerful. And, and so here is the all, uh, how God has all power. He has unlimited power, but also related to this is that God has unlimited authority. Notice that Jesus gave authority to his disciples. They, they, he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Now, again, what's the scene? The scene is that the disciples are, are just guys. They're, they're just human. They, they, in and of themselves, they have no authority over the demonic realm. They don't have that kind of authority, that kind of power in and of themselves. And so they need to overcome that reality of having no authority. And so you move from the seen to the unseen, that they have been invested with authority by Christ. And in fact, it's not even their own authority that they're wielding. They are merely wielding the authority of Christ. And so having given them authority, he then sends them out, and they went out and they proclaimed repentance. And they, procla- and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. They need to overcome this hurdle of faith. And they will do that by depending upon the unseen total authority of God, of Christ. So Jesus, he he demonstrates the omnipotence of the divine. And then we come to verses 30 to 44. Very familiar story, recorded in uh, all five Gospels, uh, all four Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. There it is. Numbers. And so the feeding of the 5,000 demonstrates, Jesus here is demonstrating the omnificence of the divine. Omnificence, that's a new one. Omnificence has to do with unlimited creative power. Unlimited creative power. That, That God has all power to create whatever he desires and whatever he needs and so, again, what's the, what, is, what is it that the disciples see? Well, they, they look around and they recognize we, we lack the ability, the physical ability to feed the multitude. There's 5,000 men. And again, when you incorporate women and children, 15,000, maybe a conservative figure, right? They don't have the resources. They lack the personal power to provide a meal for the multitudes. Can't do it, Jesus. Send them away. You give them something to eat. And so here's here's the unseen. Here's the hurdle to overcome is 
lack of power, lack of creative power. And so they need to overcome this hurdle by trusting in the unseen power of the divine to create what is lacking, and that is extended through Jesus. Five loaves and two fish, that's all we've got to feed. How many people? He takes it, blesses it, breaks it, and he keeps on breaking off, keeps on breaking off, until there's so much they can go around and gather leftovers. Twelve baskets full, a basket per apostle. Yeah, Jesus demonstrates the omnificence of the divine. Unlimited creative power. And then verses 45 to 52, Jesus walking on the water. Again, another well-known account. We love to teach these stories to the kids, right? Jesus here is demonstrating the omniscience and omnipresence of the divine. Two of them, for one, right? Let's start with omniscience. Omni, again, meaning all. And you even see the word in it, our English word science. Science from the Latin, scientia, which has to do with knowledge. All knowledge. God has all knowledge. Unlimited knowledge, which then also bleeds into God's infinite awareness, His infinite understanding, infinite insight. And then omnipresence. That God is all present. He's present everywhere at all times. He is in all places at all times. That's the omnipresence. Now, what do, we, what do, what do the disciples see here? Well, uh, here are the disciples seemingly left to their own devices in the middle of a boat, in the middle of a lake, in the middle of a storm. And, I mean, it's, it's really coming down. By the way, middle of the night, fourth watch of the night, right? And so here they are, and they are making headway painfully. In other words, it's taken a lot of work to get nowhere fast, right? And so they, they are seemingly isolated. Where's, where's our Lord? Where is He? At least before He was in the back of the boat asleep. Now He's gone. And does He even care? Does He even know where we're at? And it's in the fourth watch of the night that he came to them walking on the sea. Now, what's very interesting is he meant to pass them by. He was going to practice the Passover, as it were, right? But when they saw him, they thought it was a ghost, right? Zoink, Scoob! And they cried out. When they all saw him. They were terrified. And so, how do we o- overcome this hurdle of sight well we need to the the disciples needed to have an understanding of the divine presence it's a it's a huge hurdle when you're again in the middle of a boat in the middle of a storm in the middle of sea in the middle of the night because you see those waves and you 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 see the wind and you see uh, the lightning and the thunder and 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 you all this is there to understand the divine presence when all you see is the winds and the waves, there must be a subtle conviction. God is aware. He has omniscience. He knows where you are and what you're going through. And again, that He's present. That He's right there. And that He can supply what is needed 
in that moment. That in fact, you're in that moment for a purpose. And already we're starting to talk about our steps now. We, we see how Jesus demonstrates the omni-attributes of God. How he's, he's working diligently to help his disciples overcome this. And in a similar way, he's helping us to overcome the hurdle of faith. What are our steps when it comes to this? Let's start from the beginning again. We, we need to walk in conviction of the omnipotence of the divine. The omnipotence of God. We need to be confident that we've been invited into the mission of God. Why is it that Jesus came into the world? You remember, uh, you, you have that purpose statement in the Gospels that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's right. And that's his mission. That's the mission of God. And we come to be a part of that mission. We enter into that mission. That we are the means that God utilizes in order to call men and women to faith and repentance and obedience to the gospel. But we don't do that of our own authority. That when we call people to repentance and the forgiveness of sins... We are merely wielding the authority of Christ, and we are actually deferring to His authority. He says at the end of Matthew's Gospel, all authority, A-L-L, all authority has been given to Him. Christ is omnipotent. Christ has all authority. And so our faith, we need to put our faith in the unseen authority of Christ, that Jesus is able to extend the forgiveness of sins that people need. He is able to extend spiritual healing to those who are willing to come to Him and draw near. We need to walk in the conviction of the omnipotence of the divine. We also need to walk in the conviction of the omnificence of the divine. Are we, are we truly persuaded do we really believe that jesus has the power to create according to the needs and the prayers of his saints do we really believe that are we fully persuaded that again jesus has that power you see if if we don't believe this we have no business calling others to this conviction we need to have the firm conviction that god Christ, the Holy Spirit, have unlimited creative power. How does this show up? In a number of ways. That God, our triune God, really does have the power to create new people. And I don't mean just, you know, physical people i'm talking about if any person is in christ a new creation that our father is able to bring it about so that he creates a new family of his sons and daughters that jesus is able to create his church in places where they've never heard his name i'm talking about what buddy's doing in cambodia right now by the way you know You've seen his reports come across the line, maybe on Facebook, how they'll hold a seminar, a few hundred people will show up, and half of them 
sometimes more, never heard the name of Jesus. And yet, once they're done preaching the gospel, Christ has formed a new church as people have responded to the gospel and obeyed and been baptized, and you have a new church there. Do we really believe that Christ can create His church? Do we really believe that the Holy Spirit is able to take out a heart of stone and create a new heart of flesh in people? We really believe that our God is able to create righteousness in people. The Apostle Paul was one who thought he had righteousness. But he realized it was my own righteousness. And, and in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9, he says, I don't want to be found with my own righteousness. I want the righteousness that comes from Christ, that comes from God. New righteousness. We believe that our God is able to create hope. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, Paul, he gives uh, a litany of things. You, you were alienated from God. You were, you were strangers of the commonwealth of Israel. And then he says, having no hope and without God in the world. You had no hope before you knew Christ. But then, <laughs> verse 13 you who were far off, God has brought near through the blood of Christ Jesus. Which means what? You who were once without hope, now you have hope. That God is able to create hope where once there was no hope. Again, do we really believe, do we walk in the conviction of the omnificence of the divine? Jesus, He has this power. And we can step faithfully knowing that we serve a God who's capable of doing all of this. And then uh, the last two, that we, we need to walk in the conviction of the omniscience and the omnipresence of the divine. There are so many trials that we go through. And, and, and we see, we see the scene. We see what, what is around us. But can we walk with the conviction? That when we are going through those trials, what's the song that we sing? Does Jesus care? And, and each verse, three, four verses of that song, asks the question in a different way, in, pertaining to different circumstances. But does Jesus care? And then the chorus answers, oh yes, He cares. I know He cares. His heart is touched with my grief. We need to walk knowing that, yes, Jesus is fully aware according to His omniscience. He knows fully the struggles that we endure and that He's right there with us. That when we go through the fiery furnace, He's got His hand on the thermostat and His eye on the clock. And we will not go through more than He is able to deliver us from. And that even if we are burdened beyond our ability to bear, that's what it feels like, we're dying here, that we still serve the God of comfort who is right there with us. Hebrews chapter 4, 
Verses 14 through 16 serves as a reminder of this. Hebrews 4, beginning in verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For, let me tell you why, verse 15. We do not serve a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. And you know why that is. It is because the Son of God came down and partook in our weaknesses when He took on flesh. He knows what it means to depend upon the omniscience of His Father and the omnipresence of His Father and the omnificence of His Father and the omnipotence of His Father. Jesus knows. And so, but we have one who in every way has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's what we're talking about. Those times of need. Does he care? Is he here? And the answer to both is, oh yes. Oh yes, he cares. And oh yes, he's right there. And we have access to go boldly, with confidence, into the very presence of our Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, interceding in our behalf, in our weakness, our prayer life. And we can find the mercy and the grace that we need in those, those times of need. We need to walk in the conviction of the omniscience and omnipresence of the divine. Jesus has left us an example that we might follow in his steps. And based on his example in Mark chapter 6, we, need to, we, we can live a life. We can live a life of faith in the unseen nature of God. These omni-attributes are the unseen nature of God, the unseen nature of the divine. The temptation is always there, and it's very real, to live in this physical realm, to put our trust in what we perceive as reality, to put our trust in, in what we can see and, and handle and, and touch. But it is the spiritual realm which is greater it is the spiritual realm, which is the reality. And as Christians, we can put, and we are called to put our trust, our faith, in a very real, though unseen, God. We must continue to grow in our faith, in the omni-attributes of God, the omni-attributes of our Lord. You see, God is the ultimate realist. People talk about that. Oh, I'm just a realist. God's the ultimate realist. Because when we align ourselves with His will and His word, we become realists, even when from our perspective, what God requires of us seems unrealistic. He continues to be the God who commands the impossible. But to align ourselves with anything other than God's will and anything other than God's word is unrealistic. Especially when from our perspective, it may seem realistic. And so with a mature faith, we will be equipped to face the challenge of 
trusting God as the omni-everything God. Let us pray. Again, Father, we believe. Help our unbelief. Help us to see that you are the one who has all power and authority. You're the one who has unlimited creative power. You're the one who knows everything. And you are right there with us at all times. We pray, Father, that you would strengthen our feeble knees so that we might walk with our Lord step in step. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Bible says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 We talked earlier about uh, how God is able to create new, a new creature, a new people. He's able to create righteousness. We become the righteousness of God. He's able to create hope within us. And, and so, my friend, if, if you do not yet have the hope that only comes from God, if you are not clothed in the righteousness that comes from God through Christ, if you are not a new creation formed in Christ Jesus, the invitation is open for you this morning. In a moment, Eric will lead us in a song. That will be your opportunity to come forward and express how, how you desire to be made new by our God who is able to make all things new. It means turning away from sin, turning to the Lord and confessing Him as Lord even of your life, and all this culminating in being baptized, immersed in water, have all of your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus and raised to live a new life filled with the Spirit who enables us to live this new life. Again, if, if you would like to do that in just a moment, when Eric leads us, you come forward and express your desire to do just that. Many of us, most of us, we, we've done that. We've experienced the creative powers. He's made us new. Maybe as we've been talking about, your, your knees have become weak. It's been difficult for you to walk step in step with your Lord, maybe in the past few days, weeks, months, years. I don't know, but you do. And you know where you are in your journey with the Lord. And, and if you would like the help that comes from God in walking step in step with Jesus, you know that when Eric leads us, that's your opportunity to come forward and express your desire to have the Lord help you. And we'll surround you with love and we'll lift you up in prayer to our Father who delights in helping His children. Maybe it's something of a personal nature. You want a private setting. You can make your way over to the conference room and one of our shepherds will meet you there. And do the same thing there as we'll do here. Surround you with love and lift you up in prayer concerning your spiritual concern. Maybe it's something unrelated to what we've talked about, something that's just been on your heart. It could be something physical or spiritual or emotional or mental or, or what have you. And when Eric leads us, again, that's your opportunity to come forward and express this concern. And we'll love on you and lift you up to our Father in prayer. And the lesson is yours. The invitation is open. Don't you come. Right now, while we stand and as we sing. <laughs>